Okay, boys and girls, it's now time for Trex in Sci-Fi with the star of the show, the geek meister himself, Rico. Greetings, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Trex in Sci-Fi, podcast episode number 359 for November 27th, 2011. Today on the show, we're going to be looking at a, a, a cool TV series, a, a favorite of mine, like many are in the sci-fi and fantasy realm. We're going to look at the TV series Roswell. This uh, series uh, only ran for three seasons, but I think it's definitely worth a look. I enjoyed it a lot. It has a lot of the qualities of a TV show that I enjoy uh, in this realm, and uh, we'll be talking about that on the podcast today. Hopefully, uh, for those that uh, have seen this show, it'll be just kind of a, a nice little uh, thing to listen to and, and uh, you know, remember how cool this show is and, you know, check it out, uh, you know, and reruns on uh, Netflix for you if you've seen it all or if you've never seen it. I hope I can whet your appetite enough to check it out uh, on your own in the f- near future. Uh, also going to talk about the next Star Trek film, getting more info, uh, pretty much uh, a little bit more each week these days, and I think it's going to continue now for a while on that. Talk about uh, some television movie stuff and and just, you know, the usual uh, chit-chat here on Treks in Sci-Fi. Well, here we go with another amazing and just uh, very informative and intriguing and exciting and funny Treks in Sci-Fi episode. Hello, everyone, and I hope uh, you've enjoyed your Thanksgiving for those of us in the United States. I know I have. Uh, we've had a few days off here, a little extra nice break from the routine, and uh, kids were here, and uh, my older son brought his girlfriend and his puppy along just kind of had a full house for a few days, uh, and it's been good. It's been, you know, both holiday times are always both relaxing and sort of a little bit uh, busy and intense, and, and, and you know, you're, you're doing a lot of things and going places you don't normally do, and, and just, you know, there's, I don't know if that's a bad thing at all, but it can become a little overwhelming at, at some times, and uh, like I said, we had a kind of a full house last a uh, few days, uh, actually, my older son and his girlfriend and the puppy left. They had this little, uh, it's its a mix. They got it from, I think, the Humane Society. Uh, it's a little, uh, kind of a lot of lab in it, a black and white uh, named Jesse. And Kaylee was, uh, <laughs> the puppy wanted to play so much with Kaylee. And Kaylee's pretty playful usually, but the it was that like that old cartoon show where there was that little dog that would bounce around the big dog and it's like you know do you want to play let's play let's play 
and and you know it would it, Kaylee uh, was just trying to ignore the puppy at times because the puppy was just jumping all over her and nipping and, you know not in a bad way but in a playful way and uh, but eventually they were romping around towards the end and we're gonna have the puppy back over the holiday uh, Christmas holidays too so actually for longer because. My older son and his girlfriend are going to go on a little trip, and we're going to puppy sit. So it's like, I'm sure glad you guys got this puppy, you know, for us to take care of over the holidays. But anyway, it's okay, and we'll we'll uh, we'll enjoy it. I think Kaylee will eventually be cool. She she was good with it. She's just she's so um, she doesn't know what to do. I think she's afraid she'll hurt the puppy a little bit, but. Uh, Anyway, uh, enough puppy talk and, and that. Uh, I hope, uh, again, you guys have all had a chance to relax for, again for the for those of us in the U.S. within uh, the last couple of days this week. You know, we've had some mild weather here in Michigan, so a lot of people are putting up their Christmas lights, Christmas trees already. It's like the minute you hit Thanksgiving, boy, it's got to be, you know, you got to have all that stuff, you know, up. And I this seems to happen year after year, but we'll have some mild weather. We've You know, it was like 50s. The last few days, maybe almost 60, and, uh, I, you know, the neighbors are all putting their lights up outside. Good time to do it, but no, not me. <laughs> I was playing too much of uh, the beta of uh, The Old Republic, the new Star Wars MMO. Uh, well, I didn't play a lot of it. I played a bit, maybe a couple hours yesterday afternoon, and and then I, you know, was doing a few other things around the house. It's a pretty cool game, actually. I, I think I'm going to definitely give it a try when it comes out next month on December 20th, I think. Um, of course, a, a big World of Warcraft player have been playing it since it came out. And off and on, I, I'm not a, a guy who sits down and plays hours at a time. I'll play for maybe an hour uh, here or there. That's about it. I, I just uh, too busy and don't have enough of like a solid block of time to set aside to do things where I can play like for some people will play hours and hours and hours in the evening, you know, hop on after dinner and play for five, six hours or something crazy. I just can't do that. So, uh, but this new Star Wars MMO, uh, The Old Republic, looks uh, uh, pretty cool. I, I think it's playing real well. It seems to be uh, the code and, and, the, and I haven't had any crashes or trouble or anything with the game technically uh, it actually plays very well on my older uh, computer uh, which you know my computer is now showing a little bit of the signs of its age it's uh, three and a half years old now I did upgrade the video card about a year ago but uh, it plays great plays great on there and it's very similar to World of Warcraft the only real big difference and all the NDAs have been lifted on this game now but the the biggest difference is the quests are a little bit more you have decisions to make in these quests, and, and it sets you on different paths, I think, sort of to the light or the dark side of things, or you could call it the Sith side or the Alliance side. Um, it is, uh, I'm not sure how much that stuff will affect you in, in the game overall as time goes on. I haven't played enough. I think my guy's only like level six. I, I've tried a couple different characters to try to smuggler or a bounty hunter, mostly working on a Jedi, uh, of course, because that's my thing you know and I, I did try the opposite of that which was a you know a sith uh you know a dark dark jedi you could call it or a sith there's a couple different versions of sith uh there's these inquisitors and they you know i'm this isn't going to be a big game report but uh 
anyway, the like I said, the game plays real well. Has a lot of little features in it that I think I, I, I like and are handy. Um, I, I get a little frustrated when you first play these games because it takes you so much time to kind of get around and move around. You don't have any kind of vehicles or mounts yet. There are vehicles you can hop on to go from kind of like city area to city area. Uh, but there isn't like a mount to just let, let you move faster yet. I don't know when that happens. I thought I saw some chatter in the game that it was like you had to get to like level 20 or 25 maybe perhaps before you could get like a little speeder or some kind of a mount. Uh, but uh, that's not a big deal. But anyway, it's it's been fun. I've enjoyed it, and uh, I'll probably, like I said, be playing it in another month uh, and switch off with that and uh, – and the uh, World of Warcraft. And also, I played a little bit of Skyrim. My son has the game, and he let me try it out on his account over uh, this holiday weekend. And I played, I didn't play that long, but man, that game is just incredibly uh, amazing to look at. I just want to sit there and like scroll, or I mean, not, sc- not scroll around, but move the mouse around and, and just look at the scenery and, and the detail and all. It is uh, a beautiful game. Uh, there is a ton of content there to play, and it, I, it is well worth, I think, the, a lot of people are saying game of the year for Skyrim, but it is uh, it, it looks great, and I'd like to try it a little bit more uh, maybe later on today uh, before my son goes back to uh, MSU to college and uh, for uh, his next few weeks. Uh, that's the younger son, Eric. So uh, let's see. What else did I want to cover here early in the podcast? I guess we could talk a little bit about television and uh, and films. I haven't watched that much this week. Uh, a lot of shows. Oh, I, I will mention, uh, I did see the latest Terra Nova, and I watched uh, an episode of Sanctuary. I'm still one behind on Sanctuary. But Terra Nova, I have to say that the, the most recent episode, I, I think, made the, the, the show a little bit better in my eyes. They're good kind of revealing a little bit more of some of the things that are going on in the background and between uh, Commander Taylor, uh, you know, who runs uh, Terra Nova and is the um, head of that, uh, you know, he's the military kind of guy that runs and is in charge of them there. He's the same uh, actor, Stephen Lang, that was uh, in the uh, Avatar film. I think the guy's really good. He plays a good sort of military leader type of character uh, in these. I remember the guy. Here, here's a flashback. If anybody remembers a TV show way back about 25 years ago called Crime Story, he played a lawyer on that show, and that was a show set in the like 60s and with Dennis Farina, and it was a crime uh, show about a, a big-time crime mob that this police detective was trying to take down. And Stephen Lang was on that show as a lawyer, kind of a very uh, good, uh, you know, couldn't be corrupted, one of the rare people that uh, they were they could trust. And anyway, uh, it, but the funny thing about it is the guy the guy is so much beefier and bulker, bulkier now and, and has really obviously been working out over the years when he, you know, he was just kind of this average skinny guy on, on Crime Story back on those days. And now on uh, Terra Nova, he is, uh, you know, like on Avatar, he's been pumping the iron, I think. So anyway, I, but he's a good actor. I really like him. And I, I Terra Nova has been kind of a mixed show for me. But I think the, uh, this, uh, this latest episode, I, I have to say, it made it more intriguing. And the, the shame of it, I think, in a way is going to be, it's probably going to continue to kind of explore that a little bit more with the next few episodes. I think the last episode airs on December 19th or so, and two or three 
more uh, weeks. Uh, they did 13 episodes for season one, but I, I still, again, think the series hasn't done well enough in the ratings to come back, so we're probably going to be left hanging, which will be another one of those unfortunate things that happens to sci-fi and fantasy shows. So, hey, what are you going to do? But I, I, it's... I, again, I think it's getting better, and I, it's it's hard sometimes, I think, for these shows to balance uh, how to start off and how much to reveal before um, the first season is up. So, uh, But uh, that's been okay. Sanctuary's good still. Uh, but this week, because of the holidays and that, there was a little less uh, new stuff on. It looks like we're going to get some new things on in the next few weeks uh, to see. And I didn't go to the movies. I was wanting to see... Breaking Dawn, I, I did actually, I think I talked about that on last week's podcast, but I didn't get a chance yet to go out and see it, too many other things going on, so I'm going to take a little break, get a little tea, and I will come back and, and update everyone a little bit on the next Trek movie here on Treks in Sci-Fi. Hey there, once you've finished listening to the brilliant Treks in Sci-Fi with Rico Dusty, why don't you come over and check my podcast out? We talk about classic television programs and films from around the world. We're called Waffle on Podcast, and you can find us at iTunes. Just type in Waffle on Podcast, or go to our main website, that's waffleon.podbean.com. We would be honoured if you'd join us. Oh, and I didn't mention, here's a couple of bit of housekeeping things. Uh, well, first, one thing I forgot to say, uh, the little musical theme song that I played today on the podcast earlier on was the theme for the TV show uh, Roswell, if you weren't familiar with that. It's by a group called Dido. Uh, I love that song. really works well for the show. And uh, But I wanted to play that for you today on the podcast, obviously, and I decided to do it during the opening kind of uh, theme here for the show for the podcast. Uh, the uh, couple other little things I wanted to say: we're doing a Secret Santa on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. Uh, those names, if you are a member of the forum and you have signed up for the Secret Santa, you should have your your pick uh, pick at random for uh, the person you're going to be buying for. Hopefully, you guys can get those uh, purchases done and get them in the mail here in the next couple of weeks at the latest. And again, I, I really want everyone to record a little video of that, uh, either you opening the thing or playing with it or whatever it happens to be, however you want to do a little two, three-minute video, and then send those in to me, and we're going to make a video cast out of those for the end of the year, uh, Treks in Sci-Fi, uh, a vidcast, uh, probably the week after Christmas, I believe. So people, if they want to wait and open those on Christmas, you can do that. So here's another reason why you should all be, if you're listening, a member of the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. And if you'd like to be a member, just shoot me an email, treksf at gmail.com. Let me know the name you'd like to use, the handle or the username on the forums, and I'll set you up with an account. You can't register directly on the forums these days. Too many spam bots out there. But if you shoot me an email, I'll take care of you. So... Uh, that uh, would be great, and we'd love to have you. And we have a lot of fun over there, lots of discussions on a lot of different topics of movies, TV, and web series, and other people doing podcasts, what they're up to, and what we're reading, and music we like, just all kinds of fun discussions. So join us uh, over at the forum. I'd love to, uh, to hear from you and uh, love to talk to you there. 
Okay, uh, the Star Trek movie. The uh, These reports now are not 100% official from Paramount, but it's been shooting all over the web in the last few days, so I'm figuring it's about 99% official. Uh, this is the way this reads. Trek Movie has confirmed a report from Deadline, which is a, a website, I guess. I don't really go there very often. It's called. It's over at Deadline.com, some kind of a news site that Paramount Pictures has officially picked Friday, May 17th, 2013, 2013, May 17th, Friday, as the release date for J.J. Abrams' Star Trek sequel... The choice is to take advantage of Sony recently uh, moving Roland Emmerich's Singularity away from that date to November 1st, 2013. The May date gives Star Trek a prime spot in the pre-Memorial Day weekend. This date falls about four years and nine days from the May 8th, 2009 release date of J.J. Abrams', Abrams Star Trek uh, film. The, uh, the, this is going to be the, the longest uh, gap between Star Trek films with the same crew beating the previous records of four years and two days between Star Trek Insurrection and Star Trek Nemesis. So, anyway, that is the scoop. Uh, we are getting the next Star Trek film about a year later than it was originally supposed to come out. It was supposed to originally come out, I think, on June 29th, this coming summer, 2012. But, of course, the filming is not going to start until January, January 15th, uh, just about a month and a half or so away. A little bit more than that uh, is going to start in early January. The same cast, J.J. Abrams is directing uh, directing again. Michael Giacchino, is that how you say his name, Giacchino? He is going to do the music again, which I think is great. I really enjoyed the music to the last Star Trek film. I thought it felt very Star Trek-like, but it was different enough to show that we were dealing with a new group of actors and a new storyline and a new universe and everything. So that is the, uh, the story. The script is pretty much ready. Uh, they are working in scouting locations, things in Hawaii, uh, things around Los Angeles. Of course, they're going to do a lot on sound stages. There still isn't any news about a, uh, a guest stars or guest actors to play the roles for this movie, but I think that's going to be coming soon. Uh, the other big thing about this movie that's coming out, again, not 100% official, but pretty pretty close, is that it's going to be filmed in 3D. Yes, filmed in 3D, the first Star Trek movie to be filmed and shot and then released in 3D. And now I've talked about 3D different times over the years on Treks and Sci-Fi. I, I still feel a good movie is a good movie. 3D doesn't really improve help it i don't feel uh i think that uh it, you just it's unnecessary i don't have any problem viewing a movie in non-3d and enjoying it immensely in fact some of the films over the years that i've enjoyed the most i mean obviously that you know until recent years 3d was never a big deal so i i don't find that it it, it really makes movie you know here's a movie that i really like so i love it so much let's say if you're giving it a grade of you know, 1 to 100%, I give it a grade of 90%. If it's in 3D, oh, it's 91%. Really? Who cares? It, you know, it's it's is it even if it's just a tiny bit better, is it re really worth the extra three bucks? Is it really worth sitting there wearing glasses in a theater, darkening the image and all that stuff? I don't know. I, I just, the story here for Trek is that they are saying that Star Trek movies haven't really been big box office overseas. They, they seem to do uh, fairly okay in the U.S., but overseas, uh, you know, some have done okay, but they think that adding a 3D to this will, will help it make some overseas money. 
you know, we'll wait and see if that's true or not. I it, It's very hard to always judge that. You know, the last movie did pretty well. It wasn't in 3D. So even if this movie comes out and it does well, is that because it's in 3D? Nah, I don't really think so. I think if it's a good movie, it's going to do well. If it's not a good movie, it won't do that well. I, it's as simple as that. That's my opinion. Uh, you guys may think differently, some of you. Uh, that's fine. That's great. But that is what's going on. I mean, I'm at least happy that they are going to use 3D cameras, 3D technology to film it, and it won't be post-converted because I don't think there's anyone out there that will um, will deny this, that these post-converted 3D films are not done very well. In other words, the, the, the depth of image, the 3D, whatever you want to call it, the 3D effect of the movie is diminished greatly when it has to be converted or up or you know converted from standard film to uh, 3D after the after the fact and post process that way. Lots of films have been done that way. There are very 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 few that have really been filmed in 3D. I know next year we're getting The Hobbit, the first part of that that is being filmed uh, by Peter Jackson in with 3D technology in 3D. So that, I, I think, it has it stands a chance. You know, that's what was done with Avatar. That stands a chance of being pretty okay and, and worth the the 3D tag on the movie. But uh, these these converted ones, I just think, is a, is a bad idea. So at least Star Trek is doing it the right way. If you are going to do 3D, that is, the, to me, the only way to do it. I, I, I don't understand anymore. I think they've had enough failures with this to to show that that adding you know post processing 3D later is is a really a bad idea and probably not worth the money, but they you know there's still some that are doing it so so that is it I think that's about most of the news we have on, on the actual uh, Star Trek movie not a, a lot uh, they are. Uh, Let's see, they're getting a co-financing partner, Skydance Production. I, I'm not sure um, this is being co-financed uh, co with Spyglass Entertainment, which is J.J. Abrams, I think, uh, production company or financier or however it's working. So that is, uh, that's about it, I think, on that. Uh, they are, again, looking for uh, locations to film in. And we'll have more on that in the next few podcasts as time goes on. So cool. It's at least pretty official. The movie is going to be filming soon and will be released in about a year and a half. So it'll be the same summer we'll get the next Superman movie too. Uh, yeah, lots of good films to see always over the summer. Too many in a way sometimes. So I am going to take uh, another break here. And when I get back, we're going to cover uh, the TV show Roswell. So stand by for that here on Trex and Sci-Fi. Hi, this is Robin Curtis, and I played Lieutenant Savick in Star Trek 3 and 4. You're listening to Rico on Trex and Sci-Fi. All right, the TV series Roswell. This uh, this series, uh, give me some background, I think. We'll go uh, the usual way and go through this. My... Um, couple little uh, things at the beginning here. Uh, I the, My focus is going to give you some background on the, the series Roswell. Talk a little bit about the, the actors, the characters, the storyline in general, and go through a little bit of uh, the really the first pilot episode in depth. And I've got some clips from that to play for you. So the major spoilers are really going to be for just this first pilot episode, which sort of sets up the series in general. Uh, so if you haven't seen the series, I don't think it's going to be spoiled too much. There's a there's a lot of stuff here 
to uh, to talk about. I could have gone through more other episodes and a lot of other things. And I've done this before on other TV series that I've covered, but I want to leave it mostly open for those who haven't seen the series to go on. And, and I may hint and, and talk a little bit about some other things that happen later in the series. So there, while there are going to be some spoilers here, they are not going to be that to me that dramatic or drastic and you'd still certainly if you've never seen this series you'd still be able to enjoy it and go watch it and for those of you who have seen the series you know i hope this is still kind of fun to listen to and enjoyable as a reminiscence reminiscence <laughs> as i reminisce about the tv show roswell Okay, uh, Roswell is an American science fiction television series developed and produced and co-written by Jason Katims. This guy's worked on, on, on quite a few shows, Friday Night Lights, and he's actually, I, he's got uh, that, a current show uh, that he's working on is Parenthood. He also worked on Boston Public, My So-Called Life, uh, a lot of different shows. Uh, and I think one of the things about this guy, this... Um, developer producer and so forth and and writer is that he, that he really is a, a character kind of uh, creator and producer he he focuses a lot on the characters the plots and stories are important too but it, the thing about most television shows even movies as well for me again it's it comes down to this the the characters do you enjoy them are they interesting are they the kinds of people you might like to meet someday you know or whatever and uh and that is certainly true for the, the TV show Roswell. This uh, series it de- debuted on the WB Network on October 6th, 1999. It ran for two seasons on the WB and later moved to UPN for the third season. The, the series basically never really did very well in the ratings. It started off pretty strong, and then it dwindled a little bit and just kind of stayed kind of average to below average probably not even average to probably below average ratings pretty much during the course of its three seasons and 61 episodes that they did uh it was never very good in the ratings and again being on a syndicated network like wb or upn uh that those networks don't get the ratings like an abc or an nbc do anyway to begin with and so unless you have a really big hit on your hands the ratings are usually lower so the last episode aired on May 14th, 2002, which again would have been on the UPN network. And in the United Kingdom, the TV series aired as both Roswell High, it was called over there, and Roswell. And that's because this series is based on a, uh, a series of books, uh, what's called Young Adult Book Series. Uh, I don't know really what that exactly means. I've never read the books, and I'd like to, but uh, the series is based on a uh, series of books called Roswell High, uh, written by Melinda Metz, uh, edited by Laura Burns. And both of those two, Melinda and Laura, became staff writers on the TV series as well. So there was a definite connection, and uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I think this show was really well written and had some interesting stories and plots, and the characters were were just very distinctly drawn was because you had writers of the books working on the TV series. So there's one thing there that doesn't happen really a lot that's a little unusual. Most times when they go to film something for TV or movies, the people that maybe worked on a book, if it was based on a book, don't generally have a lot to do with the uh, you know the filmed version of it uh, a lot of that is because the you know book writers a lot of times don't have a lot of experience uh, doing you know scripted television scripted film 
And so they usually stay out of it. And that usually the people that work on those shows get their own uh, script writers and, and people to write for the shows or write for the film. And they, the two don't cross paths a lot of times. So that's a little different, I thought. And I kind of like that in a way here. And I think it worked well for them. Let's uh, let's see. I'm trying to decide how we're going to slip the clips in and when and where. I don't want to talk too much initially before I get some clips going. So uh, let's play, actually, let's play a clip for you now, and then I'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the main characters and the actors that are playing them. September 23rd, journal entry one. I'm Liz Parker, and five days ago I died. After that, things got really weird. Well, that's a short clip, but it kind of teases you for the show itself. It's uh, one of the first clips of the first uh, episode, the pilot episode for the series. That is actress Shiri Appleby, and she plays Liz Parker, who is a high school girl. One thing I want to make a point of or, or just mention here is that the actors, like a lot of times on television, these actors, actresses, were each older than high school age. I think uh, Shiri was about 21 on the show when it first started. Uh, the other, uh, the, her sort of uh, boyfriend, it turns out eventually, Max, Max Evans, played by Jason Bear, he is actually about 25 when the show starts. So, But I think they look the right age. I don't think they look ex- exceptionally uh, older than the, the characters are supposed to be playing. I don't think there's a big difference. I think Jason looked definitely looked older than Shiri. Uh, or Max looked older than Liz, even though they're both supposed to be in high school at the time, I think around sophomore year or so, because it runs for three seasons, and I think the last season they're, like, graduating from high school. So, and well, let me run down the cast. Now, like a lot of shows back in this time frame, and this was around the time frame of Buffy the Vampire, excuse me, Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, uh, and... There were shows back then, uh, Freaks and Geeks. I'm, I'm trying to think, of why am I blanking on it? But there, my point or what I wanted to mention here is a lot of the people back in those TV times have gone on to having pretty cool and amazing careers, have done very well either into television or movies. The next person I, I mentioned, Sherry Appleby, uh, or Appleby, how do you say her name? Apple, Apple B-Y, I guess it's just Appleby. Uh, played by, or uh, that's uh, Liz Parker, the actress playing her, Jason Bear, Max Evans, uh, Catherine Heigl is on this uh, series. He, she's probably gone on to do the most in, in films and things. She, you know, she's in so many romantic comedies, it's hard to keep track anymore, but has done very well. She plays Isabel Evans. She's Max's sister on this show. We also have their, uh, their friend, uh, Michael Guerin. Uh, he is played by Brendan Fair. And which I always thought was kind of interesting on this show, the, uh, the there's two actors, Jason Bear, B E H R, and Brendan Fair, uh, F E H R. I'm not quite sure if I'm saying those names exactly right, but uh, both these actors with with very similar last names were on this TV show. And when you're watching the show in the credits, you know the opening credits, you, you say, "Oh, are these guys supposed to be brothers, or are they brothers in real life?" So, hmm, interesting. And then you have uh, Maria, uh, Maria DeLuca, who is Liz's sort of best friend. They work at the uh, this uh, little uh, cafe called The Crashdown, 
she's played by Majandra Delfino. I think I got that right. Uh, she's really a good actor. She's turned up in a few other things since then. Not a lot of really big stuff that I've ever seen, but she's really good. And I, I've actually been kind of surprised that she hasn't ended up in a lot more stuff. I, I'm going to think I'm going to pull her up on, uh, on the good old Wikipedia here and, and see what else uh, she's been up to. Looks like mostly films, uh, a little bit of uh, television, men of a certain age. She was in an episode of that, State of Georgia. Uh, she's done some films. Let's see here, The Learning Curve, Traffic, Don't Come Knocking. Yeah, but not a, not a huge success. But uh, she's also, she was born in Venezuela. And uh, interesting, uh, interesting name uh, with that. Majandra Delfino for she plays Maria, but I, I really like her a lot in this show. She's kind of like the the down to earth one, you know, says it like it is, and, and I like her character. We also have Colin Hanks, Tom Hanks's son. He is on this series as well. He plays Alex, Alex Whitman. He uh, he is kind of a friend of the little group. This group, this uh, this TV show has sort of like a Scooby Gang uh, feel to it, just like on. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There's basically a group of friends that are going to school together, and they, you know, get involved in certain things in each episode. Problems, things happen, and they all have to kind of work together to to solve them. You also have a very uh, good character actor who's done a lot of uh, sci-fi fantasy stuff. William Sadler is in this show. He plays Sheriff uh, Valenti. Uh, he's kind of the one that pursues uh, pursues the the uh, you know. I'll basically tell you the premise of the show is that there are three aliens from the the Roswell crash uh, played uh, this that's that would be Max, Isabel, and and Michael that are supposed to be like little children at the time of when Roswell and and that whole thing happens, and then they've grown up and now they're in high school here, and that's it's basically the idea of aliens in high school, aliens from Roswell in high school, and then being kind of discovered by some of the other kids there that go to high school and that happens a little bit in the first episode and throughout the series other things come up other people learn about them and then uh, and then how that works out and how they can try to maintain and and stay secret because they realize you know with the whole Roswell mystique and and things going on they're afraid that the government or some agency will come and take them away do little experiments on them and all that so that's the the overall premise of the series itself you also have uh, uh, Nick Wetchesler, I think is his name. He is Kyle. He is uh, Kyle Valente. He is the sheriff's son. He's also kind of the boyfriend of Liz to begin with. And I, there's a couple other actors that show up later on in the series. I'll mention them a little bit more later and some other guest uh, people that pop in too. But I want to play right now another clip for you. This is uh, This clip here is pretty important. This kind of sets the stage for everything that's to come. Uh, and it happens in the crash down uh, early in the pilot episode. So listen to this. You're doing the go, Max. What are you gonna do, Liz? Call an ambulance. Oh my God! Hey, get back! Liz, Liz, you have to look at me. You have to look at me.
broke the bottle and you fell. Let's go catch up on yourself. Don't say anything, please. So yeah, so there's a there's a couple of guys in there. There's a, a shooting, and uh, Max uh, jumps to the aid of Liz, who is shot, and she's on the ground and doesn't look too good. And he has the ability as an alien. He has the ability to heal her, and so he heals her, tries to kind of cover it up, but she realizes what happened, and that again sets the stage. And it also kind of makes them have this connection. They have sort of a bond, a connection, because of what he does for her. And it is uh, it connects them sort of psychically, too, a little bit in a way. kind of reminds me a little bit of the TV show Beauty and the Beast, where the, uh, the Beast, played by Ron Perlman, uh, saves Linda Hamilton, the beauty, and then they have this shared sort of bond or connection. There's a little bit of that going on here. I'm kind of a sucker for, you know, an alien boy from another world. And, you know, people and kids in high school especially, you always feel like a little bit of an alien. So there's that kind of vibe uh, that works real well for this show here that, uh, you know, the, you know, everyone's a little bit of weird and a little bit of strangeness. And the fact that they're even a little bit more weird, a little bit more strange, there actually are aliens going to high school with you. Uh, so it's, it, it's again, a, a great concept, great idea. And, and the fact that it's set in Roswell, it was actually filmed mostly in, in, around, in, around, in and around Los Angeles using some desert locations there and that. They never really, I don't think, filmed down in the Roswell area that I know of. So it's, it's a little disappointing in a way. But I love that kind of countryside and, and, and you know, the desert and the southwest. And, and so I've um, that's another thing that I like about the show. There, there's tons of things to like about this show, in my opinion. Uh, the actors are great. Uh, the storylines are solid. Uh, I think it dwindles off later on, but we'll get to that later. I think there are some problems when it gets to the last season or so, but... I'll hit about uh, hit on that a little bit more later. Uh, we've got a few other uh, characters that eventually show up. Uh, they're uh, Emil, uh, Emily, Emily, how are you say her name? De Raven, the the girl that was on Lost, uh, the blonde that on Lost, and she's actually going to be on Once Upon a Time, that new TV series here soon. She plays Tess. She doesn't show up though until later on, mostly in uh, to season two and three. A little bit, mostly season two, I think, and and a guy, another guy playing Jesse, uh, who shows up in season three, Adam Rodriguez, uh, who ends up. Uh, well, I'm not going to say too much about his character, but he does become involved with the other act, uh, the other characters on the show, of course. There's a lot of other uh, guest people too. Julie Benz, for example, who was on Buffy and and No Ordinary Family and a lot of other stuff. She is uh, she is also on this show. She turns up on the uh, mostly, I think, in season one as a recurring character. Uh, we also have uh, here's an interesting thing you see even him in the pilot episode. Here's some Star Trek connections for this show. Jonathan Frakes uh, is uh, on does a little guest spot uh, on this series. Uh, I thought he had some connection and directed some episodes, and maybe he did. I, I just have to double check on that. Uh, but uh, he is on here. He turns up in season one and uh, season three, and he kind of plays himself, if I remember right. Also, uh, John Billingsley, who was, of course, Flocks on Enterprise, he turns up also on this show, too. 
Uh, we also have, uh, and I think I'm going to play one more clip. I was going to talk a little bit about the music, but we're going to save that after this next clip. And the next clip is after Liz gets healed, she goes off and eventually uh, confronts Max about what he did. And they have a little discussion here in private about uh, how much uh, Max isn't quite like the other boys in high school. I scraped some cells from your pencil. This is really weird to say. I'm trying very hard to keep from blacking out here. Um, the cells weren't normal. So, Max, what I'm going to suggest to you is that we just go back into the bio lab now so that I can take a sample so that I can see what I'm thinking is wrong, you know? That I got the wrong cells. You didn't. Okay, um... So help me out here, Max. I mean... What are you? Well, I'm not from around here. Where are you from? Up north. You're not an, an a alien, I mean. <laughs> Are you? Well, I prefer the term not of this earth. Sorry, it's not a good time to joke. You know, I have, I'm gonna be Liz. late for my U.S. government class, so I'm just gonna... Liz, listen to me. You can't talk to anyone about this. Not your parents, not Maria, no one. You don't understand what'll happen if you do. Liz, please. Now my life is in your hands. Yeah, so uh, so Max comes clean. He tells Liz that he's not from around here, basically, and that is how he was able to heal her. And, and uh, they tried to make it look like it was just, uh, you know, an accident and nothing. She didn't really get shot, but uh, the sheriff doesn't quite buy it, and, and he becomes kind of the guy that kind of pursues them for a while in the series and tries to find out the truth. Uh, Let's talk about the music. The music on this show, just like a lot of other TV shows that are on things like the WB and UPN at the time, the music is really good. They use a lot of very current uh, music uh, that is uh, very fits very well with the particular episode, the scene, whatever's going on. One of the sort of shames and the bad thing about this I, I find that is very unfortunate, and I wish this didn't happen, is that the the music uh, was had to be changed when it was released on DVD. This happened also for the television show Quantum Leap. It's happened for other shows as well. Uh, what happens, I guess, is that they get permission and get the rights to uh, 
to have the music included for the shows when they are aired. Uh, but then when it goes to DVD and, and media later, uh, they don't have the same permissions uh, available so that they uh, they have to just uh, change the music. Now, they've kept a little bit of the music, uh, especially like in the pilot episode, the theme song, stuff like that. Uh, but they, they were not able to keep most of the music. So if you bought the DVDs and you notice they seem a little different, and I think they still tried and did a very good job from what I've heard uh, that uh, they've been able to, you know, basically insert music uh, that fits still very well. Uh, I'm going to read a little blurb here. It says the new music featured on the DVD sets were handpicked by the original music supervisors from the show. Despite this, the series theme song from uh, Here With Me by Dido was retained. So were the songs Fear by Sarah McLaughlin and Crash Into Me by Dave Matthews in the pilot episode. And the producers felt those songs in particular were vital, and they should not be replaced uh, by new songs. So, the uh, you know here you've got a situation where they've had to change the music for the DVD release. Uh, so I want to say and point out that I believe when they when you see a rerun of this on television, like on the the Sci-Fi Channel, for example, will will air this series occasionally. And I think, I am pretty sure, unless someone tells me otherwise, I think this is the case. But if you watch it on television, like the Sci-Fi Channel, those are the original uh, music-containing episodes. In other words, those are the original episodes without the music changed, unlike the DVDs. So the same thing, I think, with Quantum Leap and other shows where they've had to change things. So you may want to keep an eye on that uh, on your, your DVRs or whatever if it's playing and and check that out uh, on there i i would say the dvds are still just fine if you want to watch them that way or watch them uh, and i think streaming on netflix i think you are getting what's uh, the dvds have with the new music put in uh i'm pretty sure that's the way it is but i think when the reruns on television i think they have the ability then to broadcast it with the original broadcast rights i think it's that that's a little different than future media releases uh, show another show that I was thinking of the other day was was Smallville. Smallville also used a ton of you know very current uh, music on the show uh, for different scenes, but I think I'm pretty sure that they were always able to put that music on the D- DVD releases for that, which is a, a good thing. And I I wish I hope that continues. I think as time goes on now that people are used to. Uh, media, you know, things coming out on on digital downloads, on iTunes, uh, Amazon, and DVD releases, and Blu-ray, and all this other stuff. I hope now when somebody's doing a television show that when they sign up and say, hey, such and such, I want to use your music on our show, and they sign a contract, I I sure hope they're putting in those things. This gives us the right to put the music in anytime we release this in the future anyway. And, and they don't have to change this stuff. Because I think that's kind of a shame that they have to do that each time. So, And I think with that, I'm going to play a uh, another clip for you. And I think this is just a clip between when you first start to see the, the, the alien kids, well, Max, uh, Max and Isabel and Michael talking about the situation and, and the fact that Max has now let a regular human in on their secret. I can't believe this, Max. You know, I finally feel like I have a quasi-normal existence and you blow it all with one random act of lunacy. How did you let my misguided brother do this? Hey, don't turn this around on me. I'm not the one who thinks he's a superhero. Look, I said I was sorry. You're sorry? You break a sacred pact and that's all you have to say? It's against the rules, Max. The rules we made. 
You use your powers all the time. Recreationally. The important thing is to contain this. We just have to figure out what to say to Miss Scientist. Oh my God, you told her. I didn't have a choice. It's gonna be okay. God, don't you realize that everything has changed? No, it hasn't. Max, she's right. We're screwed. It's time to leave Roswell. Michael, we can't just leave. Yeah, we can. We've always known this day would come. We said when it did, we'd be prepared. Michael, where are we gonna go? You know, Roswell's home. Roswell's not home. It's not even our solar system. Well, this is the closest thing we have to home right now. For you two, maybe. It was you the Evans found on the side of the road, not me. They're like real parents to you. My foster dad, he just keeps me around for the monthly check. Yeah, the, the, uh, let me talk a little bit about the relationship. You have uh, Max and Isabel, who are supposed to be brother and sister. Uh, those two, uh, so they have a very brotherly, sisterly kind of relationship going on. Michael's kind of a little bit of the outsider. He didn't grow up with a very nice adoptive family like Max and Isabel did. So it makes him a little rougher, a little tougher. And he is sort of the protector of them in a way, and you know, always just trying to look out for them. And that that's explored a little bit more as the seasons go on, too. He has even a, a little bit of a bigger role. Max is the, the, the leader, basically, He and that he falls more into that role, too, as time goes on. And so the... Uh, the relationship there's a good three you know the three of them the relationship between the three of them is really well done i think and those three actors really work well together uh one th one little side thing that i'll just slide in here before i forget about it the aliens uh, like spicy things in other words it, they don't no, most normal human food doesn't taste very good to them it's kind of bland so you will see them constantly at this especially in the cafe they're sticking like pouring on tabasco sauce on everything that they eat spicing everything up and the reason i wanted to mention that one of the other reasons is that when the show was was being threatened to cancel be canceled especially between seasons two and three that one of the little tricks that people did, those that wanted the show to come back, is they would ship uh, Tabasco sauce to the, the network, to all the people working on the show, the network, whoever they could send it to as, as a way to uh, to get this show uh, and keep it and show that there were fans out there that were willing to uh, to do these things, crazy stuff, and, and really cared about the show. So just a little side note, uh, but I, I think that was kind of neat that they showed that these aliens weren't quite like us, needed uh, to spice up their food a lot, and so that the you know the little hitch there was that they would send that stuff in. The other thing that happened, that's happened on sci-fi shows or, or this kind of genre show before, it happened with the TV show Chuck, for example. Uh, Subway it was a sponsor, and I think, uh, I think I heard something like Subway sandwiches or... or or whatever were sent in. I, I don't know if the actual sandwich, that seems a little hard to do. I don't know how they would do that. Maybe they sent him coupons. I don't know. But they, they, they did that when Chuck was being threatened to be canceled. So that's happened uh, quite a few times. I know there are other examples out there. I'm trying to think of them just blanking a little bit this, this morning on, on other times where there's usually some little thing on a TV show that, that becomes sort of the thing people will send in or get behind uh, when when a show is threatened like this to be canceled. And I'm sure on the Internet, with the help of Google, you can find that out. Uh, 
So uh, up with the clips and where we are with the show, the the you know like the aliens have been discussing the situation, and and Michael's very worried. He wants them to run to leave town, and uh, Max is hesitant. Hesitant, of course. Uh, next clip that I want to play for you, the other aspect to this show, and it's not really even another aspect, it's a big part of the show, is the romance. Uh, it's a very romantic type show. Uh, Liz and Max, over the years as the show goes on and the episodes, become very, very close. Uh, and uh, and that has a lot to do with the, facts when, or the fact that uh, Max saves her life. And it forms this connection with her, this psychic kind of bond. And what happens also in this first episode is that when Max heals Liz, he's he picks up images from her uh, her mind of things that have happened, you know, sort of key moments in her life, let's say very uh, important and emotional moments in her life. And he goes to Liz and he feels like that he has learned some things about her and he wants to share things about himself and sort of make it a two-way street. And uh, this next clip that I'm going to play for you is Max uh, wanting to share some of his thoughts and memories with Liz. I can't imagine how you must feel right now. I mean, I've thought about telling you a thousand times. You have me. <laughs> what? Sorry. I just... uh. I just keep picturing you in that, that dress with the, uh, the cupcakes on it. What? I forget it was a long time ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's right. I can't believe I actually wore that thing. I, I had that dress in kindergarten. I didn't know you until the third grade. Did you, like, read my mind or no, something? I don't read minds. When I healed you, I made this, this, I don't know, this connection, and I got this rush of, of images. An image of that dress flashed into my mind, and I knew how you felt about it. How did I feel about it? It was a single supreme embarrassment of your life. But your mom made it for you. She was so proud of it. She never made a dress before. So you wore it. For her sake. Never tried this before, but maybe I could make the connection go the other way. So you can see, you know, that, that I'm still me. I have to touch you. feeling. I could feel his loneliness. For the first time, I was really seeing Max Evans. I saw me as he saw me. And the amazing thing was, in his eyes, I was beautiful. 
work. All right, so uh, yeah, I, I like that scene. It's a little hard to tell on the uh, the audio of it, but you get images. Uh, Liz sees images of when Max and Isabel were uh, very little, uh, leaving the Roswell crash scene, and excuse me. And so she she obviously then she believed him at that point even already that he was an alien, but she believes him even more and and. There's this, uh, what she she mentions as she sees herself through Max's eyes, kind of, and, and of course, he's basically in love with Liz, and, and that's, that kind of comes across, and uh, it makes them very, very close uh, pretty quickly on the show. So I, I, I enjoy the way they do that, and I think it's uh, it works very well, and there's a, a sort of a sincerity a bit, uh, a, more than a bit, uh, there's a very sincere... Uh, situation between the actors and the characters here on the show that I think for our first pilot episode, and I just watched it again this morning collecting some clips, it doesn't happen all that often. You know, pilots in early seasons, I think, sometimes take a while to sort of, you know, make the wheels turn and get the grease going and, and everything. And that this, I think Roswell starts off very, very strong, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And I think that's one of its... Um, you know, good aspects of it. I think if you watch the pilot in the first couple of episodes, even, I think you'll get hooked pretty quickly on this show more than uh, some other shows, I think, especially some recent uh, shows that I've noticed that have been kind of like, nah, they're okay, but but uh, I, I'm not like dying. If I don't see the next episode, it's not a big deal or something. This show, I think, is not like that. I think there's a uh, more intensity to it uh, to begin with and in a good way, and I really like that. So I'm going to play uh, another clip for you. So when you healed me, you risked all of this getting out, didn't you? Yeah. Why? It was you. Um, Max, Fuente showed me this photo of a corpse, a murder victim. It had the same silver handprint on its chest. That can't be. The photo was marked 1959. That's impossible. Kyle saw the handprint on my stomach, and Valenti found my waitress uniform with a bullet hole in it. He just asked me if you were in the cafe during the shooting. Max, he suspects you. Max. I have to go. Wait, Max, wait, go away. Yeah, that's a clip. Max is is kind of decided, you know, maybe that it's maybe time for them to get out of town, and uh, it, you know, the he just sort of makes this connection with Liz, and now they've got to leave, and they, you know, it's it's really hard for him, obviously. Michael, of course, uh, Michael Guerin, his friend, and the you know other alien of their group of three, uh, really wants to leave, and he's worried about, you know, he's. He's told Max a few times throughout the episode, you know, they always realized if something came out and the secret of theirs was discovered that they would have to, you know, skip town and all. Um, but then um, later on, uh, that uh, as the episode goes on, Maria, uh, Liz's friend, really knows Liz well, and she knows something's going on, something's up, and she confronts Liz, 
and Liz uh, confides in her and tells her the secret about the aliens and what's happened to her. And so now Maria, by the end of the episodes, knows the truth, too. And as the, the group of the aliens, Max and Isabel and Michael, are trying to get out of town in their little Jeep, uh, we have Maria and Liz sort of chasing after them in their car. And so this next clip here is going to be sort of a meetup between all of them. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because it, what another little side thing that's going on in this episode is there is this big sort of celebration party thing going on of the Roswell anniversary. And there are some tourists in town. And there's a lot of people dressing up in weird little alien-like outfits and strange things. So it, it, it sets an interesting stage for this whole thing because the... Uh, uh, especially Isabel is dressed up in this silver outfit in this episode, Catherine Heigl, as kind of an alien, as kind of a pseudo fake sort of monster movie kind of alien, you know, very gaudy and, and, uh, and obvious. And you have a lot of the town all dressing up too. So it's, it's funny with all that going on for them to meet up together because they're all dressed in these funny costumes. But anyway, here's the clip with, uh, with uh, Maria and Liz meeting up with them. Well, I think I'm gonna be sick. Maria knows. Unbelievable. Look, I promise I won't tell anyone. Get your car out of the way now. I really don't think that you should try to leave. It's just going to show people that you're guilty. Guilty of what? Saving your life? Michael. Look, I think I have an idea here. If we can just all work together, maybe we can throw Valenti off. We're not together. Our lives are at stake, not yours. Now move your car. Michael, this can't last forever. This is secret. And I don't want it to. Look, I can't change what happened. But if you run, Valenti is going to know it's you. You'll be proving it for him. She's right. Should have known you'd side with her. Isabel, I'm not on anyone's side, all right? Get on his side, Max, because time is running out. She should move her car. I'm turning myself into Valenti. Max, we said we were leaving. Max, I can't leave without you. What's your idea? Yeah, so the they they discuss they they find that they have to form a, a little bit of a plan to throw the sheriff and Valenti off their tracks. Uh, what what sort of set things off here is that Valenti had this photograph, and again, this is all stuff from just the pilot episode. He has this photograph of someone who was killed back in the Roswell crash time of 1959, uh, where he's got this, or is it 55, 59, 55? Or maybe the picture is from 59. Anyway, there's this dead guy, and he's got this sort of handprint, this silver handprint on him near his sort of heart and chest area. And he shows this to Liz, Valenti does, and asks her if she knows about it. Now, what uh, that I haven't mentioned yet is that when Max heals Liz for a period of time, there's this silver handprint impression on the area on her uh, on her chest where her the bullet was and that he was able to heal her there's a silver spot and if someone a couple of people have noticed it and valenti brings her in and questions her about it and they come up with this plan especially maria to throw um the sheriff off their tracks and 
what happens during this Roswell crash celebration is they have somebody running around. I forget who it was they use, uh, but he's got silver paint on his hand, and he's marking everyone and making it look like it's a big game and a big joke, even though Valenti isn't quite buying it. And he, they try to throw Valenti off, but uh, he, he eventually first tries to sort of arrest Max just to bring him in and question him and that. And, and the next clip here I'm going to play for you now is Valenti and Max uh, having a little conversation as Valenti is reluctantly having to let Max uh, go. Don't play games with me, Mr. Evans. This is paint. You went up to Liz Parker in that cafe and you did something to her. And I need to know what it was. I had a hamburger. When the gun went off, I ran away. Did I break the law? Sheriff, are you arresting me? No. My parents would have you out in an hour. Let me tell you something. I'm going to find out what the truth is. You can count on it. You're a real smart guy, Max. And so am I. Yeah, and again, I think William Sadler as Sheriff Valenti, I, I really like the way he plays that character. He he isn't really a bad guy. He is just after the truth. He he has sort of been haunted a little bit by learning what's going on. He knows there are strange things in this town that are hard to explain, and you need a protagonist like that that keeps these uh, kids on their toes. And uh, I'll just say here without spoiling too much that he eventually... He eventually does learn things, and uh, he he also shows again later on that he isn't a bad guy at all, really. So I, I like his character a lot. He uh, is one of the better adults on this. A lot of times the adults on this show, some of them are good, but a lot of times some of them are not that good. So uh, you'll, again, notice a lot of guest people coming on this show, guest stars and things that you'll recognize from other shows as well. Uh, what else did I want to say here at this point? I guess we're getting sort of towards the end of this first pilot episode and probably mostly getting towards the end of, of a lot of what I wanted to pass on. Uh, let's say, uh, let me play the last clip and then I guess that's what, the way I'll do it and I'll come back and wrap up and talk about a little bit more about the show and a few different things uh, related to um, this uh, this series that I've enjoyed and, and a couple other comments. So here's the last clip and I think it kind of ends up with... Uh, the uh, Max and Liz together at the end uh, of the episode uh, during the, as the celebration, this uh, crash celebration is finishing up. And there's a sweet little nice scene between the two of them. And there's a lot of that going on in this episode and in the series in general. So listen to this and I'll come back and tell you a little bit more and we'll wrap up Roswell. Ow. You had a uh... hair thing. not safe. I mean, for you and, and me too. It's not safe. I don't care. Liz, I really, really wish that this could be something, you know, more.
I'll see you at school. Max? I never got to thank you for saving my life. Thank you. September 24th, I'm Liz Parker, and five days ago I died. But then the really amazing thing happened. I came to life. Yeah, so that's how the the pilot episode ends. It's a really good, strong pilot episode, like I said. Uh, tell you a little bit about... Um, this series in general and a little bit more about future episodes uh, here again the, the the first season the even though it had pretty favorable reviews uh, the, there was a ratings decline and, and instead of a lot of these sort of relationship type episodes that they did uh, they wanted to do more science fiction type storylines multi-episode arcs and things and they started to um, to do that more in the second season and there was, you know, the Tabasco sauce uh, campaign. I told you about that already. They were sent in. We also had Ronald D. Moore, our TNG and Battlestar Galactica buddy, was brought in uh, around that period of time in the second season to act uh, act as an executive producer and showrunner to try to develop some of these sci-fi elements. And some of those were good. I, I like that. But I think there are some people that felt that that kind of uh, wasn't what the show they wanted the show to be about. They wanted the show to be more about the relationship between these characters and, you know, that. And uh, it also started to make the, the ratings even decline more because I think the fans that got, in, you know, in, in involved and liked the show a lot early on didn't like this shift. So the, once you lose the fans that you do have, the ratings got even worse in the second season. That's when the WD, WB excuse me, canceled the show in May of 2001, and they then... Uh, UPN picked it up for uh, uh, this third season. Uh, they uh, they were able to grab it, and you know the it, it, the third season is okay. There's a the couple of really cool episodes. I'm going to mention one especially that I always remember, and I I, I liked a lot. There's an episode where uh, I, I don't need to give you the background or the a lot of what's going on, but there's an episode where Liz gets a glimpse. Liz gets um, actually a glimpse of the future. She gets a glimpse, and I think it's supposed to be 10 or 15 years down the road of what's going on with all of them. And I really like that episode a lot. It's really cool. And there, there's some definitely cool episodes in the third season, and there's cool episodes throughout uh, the whole series. And I think the characters get more defined. You get to see learn more about their powers, for example. There's a lot of other powers that they have. Uh, Isabel has the ability to sort of dream walk, uh, and uh, Max eventually learns and has this ability to sort of create sort of a little barrier or force field almost to protect them, uh, different things like that. So there's more going on with them. Uh, Michael gets some additional abilities too, and eventually they find more about their origins, and they chase down different people. And it, it, It's a cool show, a really cool show. They have some cool locations. They actually go out to Vasquez Rocks, which is a very popular trek location, and do some filming there. A lot of the show itself was filmed uh, around uh, a place uh, in, uh, called Charter Oak High School that they use for the high school settings, uh, and some residences in Covina 
and so they but again they didn't really go out to um roswell very much to uh to shoot with um but uh roswell very cool series i enjoyed it a lot uh still it's it's available all streaming on netflix the dvds are out even with the different music i think they're worth watching if you've not seen it i hope this has given you a good taste of the show and a feel for it and and why i like it it's it's a very very good show it's not heavy sci-fi or by any means and i i think it's a show that uh, if you watch a couple episodes i say you know use my rule of three these days watch three episodes of this and and i think you kind of get hooked and want to watch more so i've got uh, one eclipse here to play and i think it's going to roll into a musical uh tune so and i'll come back and wrap up the show after it but it's rick moyer and i think his wife is on here too i'm pretty sure and they're going to talk a little bit about roswell and have some music for us so thanks a lot and i'll be back afterwards to wrap up this week's treks in sci-fi well, hi there, Rico. This is Rick. And this is Amy. And we're trimming our tree right now. Well, actually, Amy's trimming the tree, and I'm watching. I already put Yoda on there. So, uh, And I'm listening to the Willie Nelson Christmas album. Because I can. And, you know, whatever. Okay, so anyway, we're uh, trimming the tree, having a good time. And we found out, through listening to your podcast on the way home from Thanksgiving, uh, the latest podcast, which, by the way, was awesome. We found out that you are covering the series Roswell on your cast today. And wow. Do you remember, Amy, when we discovered Roswell? Well, I've never been to the town Roswell, but I remember discovering the show Roswell. You're really funny. Directed by Jonathan Franks. Not Franks. 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 If it was Jonathan Franks, he'd have his own hot dog company. Like Nathan's Franks. The Franks. Frakes. Jonathan Frakes was like, didn't he produce it or something? Um, I think he directed, produced, something like that. We saw him in it too. Yes. I've seen him be um, in several of the shows that he's produced as like an extra or something. But he actually played himself, I think. Yeah, at a sci-fi a, convention. At a sci-fi. So we really liked the premise of the, of the show. Um, it really was a teen soap opera show. And it was funny because we... we uh, got our satellite tv and they were running it on sci-fi every night at like 11 or 12 o'clock at night and we caught the very first one and we're kind of intrigued by it and then we stayed up late every single night for the for the whole run of the of the show yeah and my daughter who is already shown i mean they were showing repeats yeah, but my daughter who's 15 now has discovered it on um netflix, netflix and has watched several of the episodes on netflix but it it's interesting to see some of the stars of it. One of them has been on um, NC, no, not NCIS, um, CSI Miami. He was on there for a while, and um, the blonde girl that was on Roswell has gone on to be very, very famous and in tons and Lots tons of movies. of movies. So, and I'm not sure about the other two. I did see the brunette in like a lifetime original or something who was your favorite character on roswell oh man that's really hard to say my favorite was max um max was the brown-headed guy right? right yeah 
I, you know, I think in a way he was kind of the main character in my opinion. Yeah. And the other ones were more supporting actors and actresses. Um, yeah, I liked them all though. I think all of them had, but Max was probably the one that you empathized with most because you kind of felt like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. You kind of felt like he was the leader whether he wanted to be or not. Good point. Well, okay, so on five out of five stars, what would you give the entire series out of five stars? I give it about four. It, it had a little cheese factor in it, so I, I like cheese. Five, but I I thought it was pretty well done. You know, I mean, considering your theme of it being in Roswell when aliens and yeah. and all that, but if you like sci-fi, I I think it was a pretty decent TV series. I agree. I would give it a four point five out of five. I liked it that much. Yeah, but I'm more into, I'm more hardcore sci-fi than you. Yeah, but it had enough people factor in it that I think even if you weren't hard, uh, how do you say that, hardcore sci-fi, that you would still like it. Yeah, excellent. Well, we're having fun um, um, trimming our tree, and of course, I did a new Trekmas song today, didn't I? Um, yeah, I think you did. It's instead of Little Drummer Boy, I've got a brand new song for everybody. This is Little Ferengi Boy. And, uh, of course, it's uh, all about gold-pressed latinum. Guess what I'm doing. What? I'm putting glittery gold angels on our tree. Wow, that goes well with the song. Okay, everybody, here you go. Here's the new parody and a fun song for you. Merry Trekmas, everyone. Thanks, Rico, for everything. One can never have too much. The rules of acquisition say expand or die. They told me gold press latinum Don't give anything for free gold press latinum They'll pay in trust to us gold press latinum To give the grand negus gold press latinum Latinum, latinum Exploit them gold press latinum. Profits are fun. Rules of acquisition gold press latinum. Divine treasury gold press latinum. The Rengar's not so crisp gold press latinum. Win at Tongo Quick Gold Press Latinum, Latinum, Latinum. Two grubs for the win, Gold Press Latinum. Profits are fun. Ward, he nodded, Gold Press Latinum. Rom and Lita were there, gold press latinum. Nog and the Dabo girls, gold press latinum. Odo was far from thrill, gold press latinum. Latinum, latinum. Cisco watched it all, gold press latinum. Profits are fun. Profits are fun. No. 
Rockets are fun. Rockets are fun. Rules of acquisition. That's rule number 45. I've memorized all 173, including the most important one. A man is only worth the sum of his possessions. Uh, it's definitely getting close to Christmas time when we get another uh, Rick Moyer Trekmas song. <laughs> That's great. And thanks so much uh, to both you and Amy for uh, sending some comments in on Roswell. It was great to hear that, and, and I'm glad you guys enjoyed the show as much as I did. It sounded like uh, you do and uh, rated it pretty well. I, I took a quick look while I was listening to your comments uh, up about Jonathan Frakes. Yes, he was an executive producer on the show. Uh, for uh, looks like for a little bit of the show, not the entire run, executive producer. He also did direct uh, several episodes. Looks like about five episodes of the show. So uh, yeah, he definitely had a connection, a pretty strong connection to Roswell. And so there, you know, definitely a Star Trek influence there with Ron Moore and Jonathan Frakes on this, and John Billingsley popped in too a little. So um, so there you go, everyone. That's this week's Treks in Sci-Fi. Thanks so much for listening. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, next week, we are going to do the interview with Michael A. Martin, talk about his book, To Brave the Storm, about the Romulan War, uh, that Enterprise novel available now over on Amazon and other fine booksellers. So that's going to be on next week's Treks in Sci-Fi. I will talk to you then. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been a Wego Dusty podcast production.